Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome back to Doctors in the House. My name is Dr. Daryl Hill, and today it is my pleasure to have in the house Dr. Kim Campbell. Give it up for Dr. Kim Campbell. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here. So why don't we get right into it, Dr. Campbell, or should I say Kim? Please, please. We've known each other for a long time. I know. I know. I feel you're, you're, like, you're like a sister to me. You're like, like a sister. He's my homeboy. <laughs> Jersey folks. <laughs> so let's go ahead and just I'll give you a chance to introduce yourself. Why don't we um, share with the audience who you are? Who are you? Okay. Well, uh, my name is Kimberly Campbell. I am a clinical psychologist licensed in the state of Maryland and in D.C. I have a private practice in downtown Silver Spring where I work with six, ages six on up mm -hmm. to probably 60, maybe 66 is a good range. And I am also um, one of the psychologists at the University of Maryland College Park. Keeps me very busy. And I happen to be the current president of the Maryland Psychological Association, an association that represents about 1,100 psychologists in the state of Maryland. And so my term for that ends August 31st, but it keeps me pretty busy, and I, and I enjoy it. Wow, that's a lot. That is a lot. So um, before we get into all of the wonderful things that you do, why don't we just share with the audience your, your background, your education, where you went to school, stuff like that. Okay. Going back to what? Um, um, <laughs> kindergarten, kindergarten. <laughs> 
So like I said, you know, this is my homeboy from New Jersey, right? I was educated in uh, public schools mm -hmm. in New Jersey, in Essex County in particular. And I uh, left New Jersey and went to the University of Virginia in Charlottesville, where I earned a Bachelor of Arts in Psychology. And I left there after having been at a PWI for high school and a PWI for college, PWI being predominantly white institution, I knew that I had to go to an HBCU for my graduate education. HBC. So HBCU in the house. Nice. So I'm a Howard University grad where I earned my doctorate in psychology in 1990. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Now, I'm just curious, um, the doctorate work, what kind of work did you do for the doctorate studies? Uh, so in clinical psychology at, at Howard University, we use what's called the Boulder model, mm -hmm. which means I'm trained as a researcher as well as a clinician. Mm -hmm. And some of us are more interested in research and some of us are more interested in clinical work. So for, for research, I had to earn a master's of science and I had to write a thesis. Um, you want to ask me what my thesis was? You're really I'm, taking I'm very, me back. I'm very curious. <laughs> You're curious? <laughs> oh, my goodness. I looked at the factor structure of the Wexler Intelligence Scale for Children. Mm, okay. Uh, it's, uh, in those days, it was the WIS-3. We are now using the WIS-5, so there have been some mm. new iterations. For my dissertation, I looked at um, cerebral lateralization of depression in stroke patients. Wow. And so uh, I interviewed what I call uh, elderly people who had had either some type of cerebral uh, injury, uh, infarct, um, strokes or aneurysms. Mm -hmm. uh, they had to have what I call clean brains. Clean brains, meaning right. they were not exposed to drugs and or alcohol. Mm -hmm. And uh, so very small sample size. Right. Okay. So for two, three years, I attended neurology and neurosurgery rounds, hoping to get someone that I could talk with mm -hmm. and interview. And so that was that's the research side wow. of my education. And wow. then there's the clinical side of my education that puts you in um, connection with clients and or patients, depending on the setting right. that we're working right. in. Right. So. I started my training at the Child Development Center at Howard University where I learned how to actually test children. Mm -hmm. And my next clinical placement was St. Elizabeth's Hospital, which was uh, nothing that it is now because of the institutionalization. So mm -hmm. we're talking 1983, 84. Since then, St. Elizabeth's has pretty much closed. You were seeing a lot part. of pathology back then, though, right? Oh, my goodness. But so so the patients imagine. that at St. Elizabeth's were chronically mentally ill. Wow. Right? And from there, I trained at Children's Hospital, Children's Hospital National Medical Center. Mm -hmm. I trained, um, oh my goodness, in D.C. Where were my other externships? I'm, I'm blocking on that. But my internship was uh, through Harvard Medical School in Boston, uh, Children's Hospital, and Judge Baker Children's Center in Boston. This is my internship. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. So you got to leave um, Howard in D.C. and go up to Boston. And spend a year in Boston, and I haven't been back. Wow. It was traumatic. Was it really? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Wow. Yes. Must, I mean, that Harvard name sounds good, though, I guess. Well, yeah. I mean, it's nice on the resume and all right, that. But right. my year in Boston was, was very traumatic. <laughs> it was actually, I found it to be, uh, shall I say, um, less friendly than it was in Charlottesville, Virginia. And you know what happened in Charlottesville wow. 2017. Wow. You know what that climate was like, right? Mm -hmm. I can imagine. Uh, that, so that was 78 to 82. But Boston was worse than that. Really? And wow. Well, I'm glad you got through it. Yep, I got and, through and, it. And you are and I'm here, here to talk today. about it. <laughs> so, so I'm really excited because, as you know, even on a, on a you know, professional level, I reach out to you quite a bit because, for me as an internist, I see quite a bit of mental health going on, mm -hmm. and people need help. So give the audience uh, an example of the kind of patients you're seeing now what types of issues mm -hmm. oh uh, it ranges um, so the the population that I like to work with in my private practice and one of the reasons why I enjoy the work that I do mm -hmm. at the University of Maryland is the adolescent population okay. right and so um, my favorite age is really I would say 
12, the, the teens, if you will, up to, you know, young adults. Mm -hmm. And they come in with sometimes just life adjustment issues mm -hmm. or anxiety or depression, um, uh, depending on what, circum what life circumstance they have, right? right? Um, they uh, may have um, histories of sexual and or physical abuse. Mm -hmm. They could have, which, you know, would create some symptoms as they got older, if they had not kind of worked through that. Uh, with regard to adults, I see women mostly, but I do have some black men on my caseload right now. And I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm always so happy when black men self-refer right. and say, you know what, I need to talk about some things. Right. Right? And when they give themselves permission to shed some tears and mm -hmm. give themselves permission to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, if nothing else, I know everyone is talking about Kobe and what happened, but I, I, the silver lining in that is that a whole population of men, black men in particular, who I have a kind of inclination to help, um, they saw big, strong athletes crying. Right. You know, and, and the message there, the silver lining for me, is it is okay to cry. It's okay to hurt. It is okay to express yourself. And so what happens is with black males and just male toxicity in general, mm -hmm. right, there are messages that say, I, ca I can't feel or I don't even have the words to even tell you how I'm feeling. Right? Where does that so come from? That. Where is that coming from? We're socialized to, to, to do that from, from, very, yeah. from the very beginning. Like when you, when you fell down mm -hmm. when you were a little kid, right. nine times out of ten, I would bet, and I don't know, I have never met your parents right. or your aunts or your uncles, mm -hmm. but I bet that if you fell as a kid, somebody said, you'll be all right, get up, stop that crying. Right. Right? If I had fallen mm -hmm. as a kid, it's okay. I can cry. I can express myself. Wow. And so those are the beginning mm. messages that are gender specific that say right. you can't feel, you can't express your feeling. Right. Chin up. Be right. a man. Do all of that. Right. <laughs> you know. Now, would, would you so, agree? There's a, a movement now that's saying it's okay to cry. I think you were getting into that. Mm -hmm. And and um, and if so. How can we embrace that, and how can we promote that? And are you seeing that in your practice now? I am seeing a willingness for men to be vulnerable. Um, um, and I think that what we have to do, since we are now evolved, right, mm -hmm. is that we start talking to each other, start talking men to men, Right, we start asking men, you know, man, how did you feel? Mm -hmm. <laughs> right, ask mm -hmm. that question, right? Right. right? You know, I mean, oftentimes it's like, yeah, man, you know, you just keep it moving, right? And you don't stop to just say, how, how did you feel? Right, right, right. right. And when you, when you start using feeling words, it takes you to a different emotional experience. Mm -hmm. okay. and, and when you get that patient, um, in, in the office, say, mm -hmm. for these kind of depressions, mm -hmm. what kind of strategies are you kind of using to help them deal with it? So depression manifests itself cognitively, in other words, how you think. Mm -hmm. It manifests, obviously, in terms of your emotions, how you feel. It, manif it can manifest itself physically, mm -hmm. right? You can have uh, physical symptoms. Uh, and then there are behavioral symptoms, mm -hmm. right? So. My approach, um, first of all, is to make sure that if a client is experiencing any physical symptoms, that we make sure that there's no um, kind of a physiological reason for the physical symptoms. You know, mm -hmm. we want to make sure that you know, blood pressure, all the stuff mm -hmm. that you do as an internist, we right. want to make sure that that's, that's straight. And if a physician comes back and says, okay, you know, medically this person is fine, yet they still have these physical symptoms, which mm. you can have with depression. You can mm. have body aches. Right. You can have headaches. You can have gastrointestinal distress, right? A lot going um, on. So there's a lot going on, on physically. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we kind of manage that piece. 
in terms of when when one is depressed, you tend to engage in what we call unhelpful thinking strategies. Right. And so cognitive behavioral therapy is a way to identify what are the thoughts that you're mm -hmm. having that are unhelpful that actually exacerbate the depression, and how can we modify those thoughts so that your depression and or anxiety mm -hmm. is managed, right. can be reduced. Right. And I'm a big fan of cognitive therapy, psychotherapy, because you're right, it really helps you begin to look at mm -hmm. things a certain way mm -hmm. and think a certain mm -hmm. way more maturely. Well, the, the, the psychotherapy that you're talking about is mm -hmm. probably more of the, what we would consider the psychodynamic approach, right? Mm -hmm. So depends on how long a client has to work with me, right? So if you're just talking about symptom management, mm -hmm. then we're going to get right in it and let's look at the cognitions and let's look at your behaviors that are contributing to this anxiety and a depressive symptom picture. Mm -hmm. But if you want to kind of get into you know, your upbringing, your relationships, right. your experiences, the, the, the world. Like, none of us live in a bubble. Mm -hmm. And so systems act on us. Family systems act right. on us. Political systems act on us. Mm -hmm. Institutional systems act on us. Mm -hmm. And so as we climb the corporate ladder, as we become more successful, as we hit those glass ceilings, all of those systems act on us and mm -hmm. those are places where that psychodynamic type of talking therapy right. is helpful right. and when you begin to engage people around those kinds of issues their symptoms do um, decline right. right so it's so it's a multifaceted approach yeah, yeah it's really interesting is. too because so much of what you're talking about people can go through life just bottled up trying to carry that burden right. all alone versus mm -hmm. getting it out. Right. I don't care if sometimes maybe if it's talking to you, mm -hmm. talking to a wife, talking mm -hmm. to a friend, mm -hmm. it's got to come up. It's got to come out. It's got to come up. It's going to come out one way or another. Mm -hmm. You're going to either internalize it or externalize it. So mm -hmm. It's going to mm -hmm. do something. Wow, wow. So. so why don't you go ahead and mention uh, where yeah. you practice, maybe your, your contact information in case there's some people oh, out there who are going to want to reach out to you. Sure. Uh, my office in uh, downtown Silver Spring is on 2nd Avenue, 8607 2nd Avenue. The name of the practice is Campbell Psychological Services, LLC. I have three very wonderful seasoned colleagues who work in the practice with me. Uh, and uh, our office is, um, it is um, accessible on Metro and um, bus. Mm -hmm. okay. And the number, should I say the number? Absolutely. Oh, okay. Uh, the number is 301-589-5533. Very nice. Now, I know we didn't put the number out for call-ins, but if we do get some call-ins, we'll go ahead and take them. Okay. I don't know if someone's on the line right now. Uh, they said they probably hung up, but we can check the phone. Okay. Right. So we'll come back to it okay. if it happens. Right. Yeah, well, this is exciting. I'm excited to have you here. And since we're on the topic... I'm excited that you are interested in the topic, frankly, oh, yeah. as a physician. Mm -hmm. and, I mean, that, that is very encouraging to me, that you understand that we have to take a more integrative approach to right. that. And it's interesting, too, Mind, because you know, I see a lot of the blood pressure stuff with diabetes mm -hmm. and a lot of stress. I don't care mm -hmm. if it's work-related. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I saw a guy last week who just happened to be, be a police officer, mm -hmm. and his, his partner was killed mm -hmm. a year or two ago. And uh -huh. for some reason, it hit him a week or two ago, uh -huh. and he started drinking and uh -huh. those kind of things. Right. And, and luckily, right. he's going to a therapist and trying to get that help. That's wonderful to know, hear. But, you That's know. wonderful to hear. But what you've touched on is how stress can affect you in many ways, mm -hmm. right? Behaviorally, right. cognitively, mm -hmm. emotionally, mm -hmm. <coughs> excuse me, um, and um, physically. Right, right, right. So right. chronic stress mm -hmm. will lead to some of the symptoms that you see mm -hmm. in your office. And it's interesting, too. I haven't found the data, but maybe you can comment on it. What about stress and the relationship with um, blood pressure? Do you know about anything, data there? Uh, now, I would ask you to reach out to Dr. Jules Harrell. Mm-hmm at Howard University. He has been doing this type of research 
-hmm. with African, the African-American uh, population for years. Excuse um, me a second. Oh, yeah, if there's sure. a call, we'll go ahead and take that call, and we'll come back to this question. Okay. I don't have any data for you, then. No? No data. I can say hello. Hello, caller. <laughs> say hello. Hello, this is Dr. Hill. You're, you're in the show now with Dr. Hill and Dr. Campbell. Doctor's in the house. They're there. I think they're here. Hello, how are you? Okay. Uh, well, call back if you need to. Uh, <laughs> do they need to turn down their radio? Is that the issue? Hello, caller. How are you? This is Dr. Hill. You're with Doctors in the House. Do you have a question? Okay. All right. Good stuff. So we were talking about the blood pressure and the so, stress. So generally, I don't have any hard numbers, mm -hmm. but what I will say is that increased stress leads to increased blood pressure. How about okay. That, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, I mean, that's, that is one of the physical signs. So stress mm -hmm. basically is the body's response to change, mm -hmm. right? We all experience stress. Most time, we hmm. think of stress in a negative way, mm -hmm. but we experience stress when we have positive things happen in our lives. It's called eustress, right? Mm -hmm. You. So, eustress. I like you, that. I like yes. that. So I like eustress. that. <laughs> so, you know, think about, you know, you ever plan a wedding? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you ever plan a graduation? Oh, yeah. Or two. Or, or two. two mm -hmm. Right? So, you know, there's a certain degree of stress that comes with that, right? right you got right. to put, get family together. You know, some people don't eat one thing. Other people, mm -hmm. you know, it's distressful. But it's, it's, happy. it's finite. Mm -hmm. And once the event ends, the stress is mitigated, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Whereas stress that is kind of perceived more negatively tends to be more chronic. So that could be occupational. You can have stress mm -hmm. in your relationship, relationships, right? Um, you can have stress, <clears throat> probably just some internal stress that you could experience. And so... Mm -hmm. You mentioned your patient who uh, lost a partner. Well, mm -hmm. two things you said. One, he was a police officer. Mm -hmm. So that perhaps is some chronic cumulative stress that that police officer may have had that he had never addressed. Right. And then right. when life happened to him, mm -hmm. his partner died, it just... Well, you raise a good point there with that police officer, for example. Right. What might be some of the things you can be doing on an ongoing basis to help manage that stress? Have to manage the stress, right. I kind of so wonder what's there. People have to find time to recognize their red flags for when they are stressed, mm -hmm. first of all. So self-awareness is important. So if you start... For example, if you experience sleep disturbance or appetite changes, mm -hmm. um, behaviorally, if you suddenly pick up substances or you increase your use of substances, okay. or you, if you're emotionally, you notice you're irritable and your mood is, is, is changing, um, you know, those, might, those are particular red flags. For mm -hmm. me personally, I can, I can speak personally because, mm -hmm. like I said, none of us are immune from stress. Right. I tend to drop things. Really? Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's my red flag. Uh-oh. Stress signal. Wow. I'm dropping things. You know, I used to have a nickname in college. They called me Schlett Rock. <laughs> <laughs> because I would drop things all the time. But, but really, wow. that's my signal that I'm experiencing stress. So when I become aware of that, then I have to engage in self-care mode. So self-care looks mm -hmm. different for different people. So we probably all, all have something that manifests our stress and when it hits critical levels or so. Yeah. So we just got to find it. You got to figure that out. You got to know yourself. You have wow. to be true to yourself. Mm -hmm. And so then when you take care of yourself, self-care being an intentional activity, Mm -hmm. Right, you are intentional right. about it, right? So I know you, Dr. Hill, you like to get on the golf course. I do. Does I that do. help with stress? It, it really does. Yeah. It really yeah. does. You feel a little better, mm -hmm. right? Especially yeah. for me because I'm walking the golf course too. There you go. So you're getting a physical exercise right. in too. And that exercise is key to right. manage stress. Mm -hmm. It is absolutely key. You have to find something that you like to do and do it as much as you can. Mm -hmm. right? wow. I, I have a dog. I like to walk my dog. Mm -hmm. I manage my stress by changing my environment. Every 90 days or so, I have to have a visual shift. 
Oh, really? Yes, I do. Okay, what does that mean for you, visual shift? That means I'm driving somewhere, maybe to the mountains, or maybe oh. to the ocean, mm -hmm. or it, it's got to be something that's different than my usual commute okay. day to day. I have to have a visual shift. I just assumed there was an airplane and some palm trees involved. It could be that, that as well. <laughs> 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 right. It could be that as well. I, you know. I like that though. That, yeah. That's good though. Right. That's but good. the key is knowing when you need to do it mm -hmm. and managing it. Right. That, wow. is, that is key. Well, congratulations on the University of Maryland situation. How long have you been doing that now? I've been at the University of Maryland since 2014. Mm -hmm. uh, I started part time, and now I am full time and, and at the counseling center there, okay. where we see Maryland has 41,000 students, and so you can think about Maryland as being a microcosm of society. Mm -hmm. And now our student population, um, are, they're arriving to to school with with much many more significant mental health issues. Wow. Um, I, you know, I'm a clinical psychologist, and that's one thing I love about my field, right? Mm -hmm. Because if you're a good clinician, you can take your skills in a, a number of environments. So anybody listening who wants to be a clinical psychologist, know that it is a field where you can keep, you can prevent burnout mm -hmm. as a clinical psychologist because you can reinvent yourself, mm -hmm. you know, with training, mm -hmm. but you can, if you're a good clinician, you can, um, practice those clinical skills in many different environments, right, right? right? And so as a clinician at the University of Maryland, I am providing clinical intervention to the student population who are arriving, oftentimes already on psychiatric medication. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, <clears throat> sometimes they need psychiatric medication. Mm -hmm. um, the challenge we have sometimes with our student population because it is an international student group. Mm -hmm. um, some cultures don't believe in mental illness mm -hmm. and so the young people wow. are in a position where they they know they want help but they can't let their parents know. Mm -hmm. um, and Luckily so they're old they enough they don't they have can, to get they can them involved consent either. To, for treatment right. themselves and so that's that's new for, for students. Sometimes wow. I, you know some of part of my role is to help students give themselves permission mm -hmm. to take care of themselves in ways that maybe their parents would not approve of. So I would yeah. think you're saying a good amount of anxiety with all the, oh, and yes. the depression maybe. Anxiety and depression are the, the uh, top ref reasons for mm -hmm. referral to the counseling center. Oh really? Anxiety and depression hand in hand. Wow. Right? And so we've at the counseling center had to, um, we really had to change the way we do business, to, mm -hmm. to, to, you know, for lack of a better way to think about it, because we needed to find a way to meet the demand uh, that we are seeing. And wow. so we've developed um, anxiety management workshops, um, depression workshops where mm -hmm. we can see up to 25 people, perhaps, and we can teach them some management skills, mm -hmm. right? I, I facilitate a group called Wise Emotions there, which is for students who have difficulty uh, regulating their emotions, and they may have some behavioral dysregulation, which get them in trouble interpersonally, right? And more like anger management or something like well, that? Well, they kind of fly off the handle sometimes. They get mm -hmm. in arguments often. They might get into arguments with their partners mm -hmm. or family members or professors wow. or or bosses, and so my workshop that's six weeks long teach very specific skills about how to manage yourself with um, mm -hmm. meditation, okay. um, but also uh, modifying how you think about things. Right. Because how you think about things impacts how you feel and what you do. Right. And since we're kind of talking about... I'm all over the place. I, no, you, this <laughs> so is great. <laughs> but you, know, you made me think about mm -hmm. the attention deficit disorders. Mm. What's that been like for you? What's that been like for you as far as the experience goes and, and how you make those diagnoses? Okay, so uh, ADHD, uh, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder is what it's really called. There are mm -hmm. three types. Mm -hmm. um, there's the inattentive presentation. There's a hyperactive impulsive presentation. And there's what we call the combined presentation. Um, I've been working with kids who have ADHD since I started mm -hmm. in this field. Um, and so now I actually um, created the screening 
um, the screening that we do on campus for mm -hmm. students who think they have ADHD because okay. basically our, our psychiatrists on campus mm -hmm. will not medicate or prescribe medication for ADHD unless they've had an assessment. Oh, really? And right. They really okay. want to help. You know, because wow. the, the, the prescriptions are stimulant medications right. and it has a little street value to it. And right. so mm -hmm. doctors want to make sure that um, the students are not just engaging in some kind of drug-seeking behavior. Right, so. right. But ADHD, I have personal experience with it mm -hmm. uh, in my household. Right. <laughs> um, and then, you know, the students that, that come in. And what happens a lot is that if a student has been from an environment where <clears throat> they, first of all, they're very bright, Mm -hmm. So they've developed some compensatory strategies for the struggle that they have with the ADHD, mm -hmm. but they could have come from very structured environments, mm -hmm. right? So if you think about high school, you know, there was a bell, you, right. you got up, you left <laughs> when the bell rang, and mm -hmm. then the bell rang again, you right. were supposed to be in your next place. When you come to college, there's no bell. There's right. no one telling you when to mm -hmm. go to class or even to go to class. Right. It's all on you. And so... You may have had the symptoms, but mm -hmm. they, may not, they may not have manifested right. until you get to a big institution like the one that I was. Or at. even in graduate school. Graduate so we school, had a few I people see graduate in, in, in medical well. school mm -hmm. who are being diagnosed oh, with yeah. this condition oh, yeah. too. Yeah. And they got that far mm -hmm. because they're obviously very bright, mm -hmm. right? And so they develop, but then they get to a place where their compensatory strategies aren't enough. Right. And they need just additional support. And I agree too that diagnosis is important because I remember when that diagnosis is made, that student gets more time for testing. Right. And so they are eligible nature. for accommodations. Right? Yeah, yeah. 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 And it's funny because when I was a kid, I don't think we had this diagnosis or we weren't talking about it. Not like we are now over the no. past 10 years. Yeah. Well, even so. probably longer than that. I mean, I don't know. You know, when I think about the kids in my class, there were always those kids who were jumping around. And, mm -hmm. You know, they they probably met the diagnostic criteria right. for it, but no, I, we, I, I don't know. I think we blamed it on sugar and mm -hmm. stuff like that back in the day. And diet does contribute, mm -hmm. right? So, you know, medications that tend to um, um, increase hyperactive levels, like steroids, mm -hmm. right? That wow. If you have... You know, ADHD, mm -hmm. you may not want to take those types of medications because it just exacerbates the symptom presentation. So as we prepare to go to break, why don't oh. we, um, a question of um, all the wonderful things you could have done in this world, psychology, why psychology? We're lucky to have you, but tell oh, us why. Oh, thank you. Um, I have... You know, when I think back to, I actually wanted to be a doctor. Did you? Oh, I, I knew you were smart. I knew you were smart. I did. Good thing you didn't smart do that. Smart anyway. <laughs> I did. When I, uh, so, and, and I had, my doctor, mm -hmm. my doctor asked me why I wanted to be a doctor. Mm -hmm. So, I, I guess I was having this conversation when I was in junior high with mm -hmm. a doctor. And I said, she said, well, what kind of doctor do you want to be? And I said, a pediatrician or a gynecologist. And she mm -hmm. said, why? She said, because I said, because I wanted to help women and children with their problems. Okay. And she said, well, that's not pediatrics or gynecology. <laughs> that's psychology or psychiatry. And I really? said, oh, okay. So then wow. I shifted. I was always the kid in high school where people came to me with their problems. Really? I was always the one. Wow. Right. You so started I've early. I've been talking to people about this stuff for a long oh, time. You, you were that yeah, girl. I was that girl. <laughs> I was that girl. And I kept people's confidence. Mm -hmm. and, and they you didn't came violate HIPAA. I did not even violate their confidence, even back then. <laughs> right? Psychologists have been doing HIPAA stuff even before mm -hmm. HIPAA came along. Mm -hmm. And I knew I couldn't go into medicine because I couldn't even draw the frog that I oh, had really? dissected wow. in biology. You know, my teacher said, now, I saw you do that. I saw you dissect that frog, but wow. there's no indication that that actually happened. So I said, okay, this is not a good sign wow. for medicine. Absolutely. <laughs> See, I was the guy who took the frog home and fried it and ate it for breakfast. Oh. You know, I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow, that's great. So, that is great. Yeah, so it's been it's been a it's been a long time. 
Wow. I, I went to college knowing that I wanted to be a psychologist. Really? Mm -hmm. Wow, so you and, knew early. Yeah, and a lot of students don't know that. Mm. And, and what happens, too, you know, initially when you go to college, you take those horrible classes that are 150. Well, if you go to a large mm. school like I did, right? UVA. You know, was, yeah, UVA mm -hmm. is a big school. So lecture halls with 300 students mm -hmm. in them. And, you know, the tests are multiple choice tests. And mm -hmm. There's adjustment that you have to make, right, from right. high school to that type of setting. Mm -hmm. um, and those classes, those introductory classes are, they can be grueling. They oh, can yeah. be grueling and boring and they can, you know, uh, kind of say, ah, I don't want to do this. Weed out classes yeah. is yeah. what we call them. Weed out classes. But by the time I got to third year, fourth mm -hmm. year um, at UVA, I experienced, you know, racism and, uh, mm. you know, academic racism, basically, right? Mm -hmm. So wow. I had never, ever gotten anything below a B on anything that I had ever submitted to any teacher until mm -hmm. I got there. And the, I had written a paper about whether or not the Western understanding of human behavior applied to black folks. Really? You know, I was questioning those things, right? Okay. Because our understanding of psychology really comes from Europe, and mm -hmm. right. And so, uh, I just didn't think that some of the theories that were being taught to me necessarily applied to the people that I knew, people wow. of color. So I questioned it. It was a question, right? Mm -hmm. We're in, you know, it's an academic an institution. Question. I questioned it. I had did some research and mm -hmm. wrote a paper on it. Scholar, got it back. A scholarly activity. It was a scholarly activity. I got my mm -hmm. paper back C minus. Wow. The professor said this isn't even about psychology. Wow. I was crushed. Absolutely wow. crushed. I held on to it though. Because mm -hmm. I felt like I was on to, to something, mm -hmm. you know. Until I got to my third year and I had the my my um an instructor who was a an African American male psychologist mm -hmm. and I right. showed him the paper. And he said, this is what I'm talking about. This is, and he, then he started exposing me to literature that wow. supported my thinking, wow. right? And so, you know. So you must have loved Howard by the time oh you got God. there. I, I loved Howard. Wow. I had some friends, they used to tease me, they said, oh, she's coming into her blackness, you know? Wow. I mean, it was just, I loved yeah, it. Yeah, that's loved great. It. Absolutely. But you were listening to Doctors in the House. We're happy to have Dr. Kim Campbell in the house today, and I think we're gonna, we're gonna go take a quick break, and we'll see you on the other side.
back with Doctors in the House. My name is Dr. Daryl Hill. I'm with Laurel Medical Associates, 301-497-0401. Also on the web, 24 mm. hours a day, laurelmedicine.com. And we're happy to have Dr. Kimberly Campbell in the office today. If you want to mention your contact information again. Yes, I'm with Campbell Psychological Services, uh, 8607 2nd Avenue in Silver Spring, Maryland. Uh, the website is www.campsychserve.com, short for Campbell Psychological Services. Nice, very nice. So mm -hmm. we were, we're back in the house and, um, you know, we were talking a little bit about Dr. Campbell being the president of the Maryland Psychological Association, which is a great accomplishment. Thank do you, you. want to just share real quick what you do and what your responsibilities might be? Oh, my responsibilities are to help facilitate a very talented board of directors in uh, the goals of the psychologists, uh, these, you know, the, the, the interests, we represent the interests, I should mm -hmm. say, of about 1,100 psychologists in the state of Maryland. And actually, we represent the interests of psychologists who are not members of the association as well. So, okay. for example, we have a legislative committee that, and we have lobbyists that we work with, and we go, you know, the legislative committee is actively engaged with the Maryland legislature mm -hmm. on behalf of issues related to psychology and psychologists and the practice of psychology. Okay. Right now, we are, and you know, as as president, I, I, I do want to say this for the audience that um, Maryland Psychological Association has been in existence since 1956. And there has been one black male as president, and I'm the first black woman that has served in this role. And um, I have always felt that it, be, it is important to associate with your professional associations because mm -hmm. your discipline, um, having an understanding of what it means to be in your discipline right. is, is where right. you get that kind of professional integrity from from the association level, right? Mm -hmm. So recently, and I don't know, if, I wonder if this affected you, recently um, b the state public mental health has uh, 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 engaged a contractor called Optum. And hmm. uh, so for behavioral health services and opiate mm -hmm. or substance abuse services, if you have public mental, if you have public health insurance right. in the state of Maryland, contractor known as Optum uh, took the helm on mm -hmm. January 1. Mm -hmm. That is the process, the transition from the old uh, contractor to the new. Mm -hmm. uh, they have dropped patients from the roles. Wow. Providers have not been paid. Wow. And because of that, mm -hmm. a number of, of be behavioral health providers mm -hmm. are, you know, leaving the network. Wow. Which means that access for the underrepresented, under-resourced mm -hmm. community is now going to be even more limited because of mm -hmm. a snafu in this transition at the corporate level. So, when something wow. like that happens, you know, the uh, role of a president of an association mm -hmm. and its board of directors is to, you know, see how we can have some impact there so it doesn't happen mm -hmm. again, right. um, but also so that the, <clears throat> the powers that be understand that we are dissatisfied with how uh, behavioral health mm. is, is being, um, I think, disrespected and the need for it. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. I saw the memo when it came out about the new carrier, mm -hmm. and the issue didn't really affect me, mm. but I'm glad you brought up the topic because the issue of access is a real issue mm. even before this happens mm -hmm. uh, because a lot of times, and now we're kind of getting into the, the insurance coverage of mm -hmm. mental health services, mm -hmm. a lot of times you call for a referral um, and can't find one. Can't find one. Right. The psychologist, the psychiatrist, there's a three-month wait, or they're just not right. taking your insurance. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah. 
is, is what you're saying now part of that, or there are some other things, too? Well, that's, that's part of it, mm -hmm. but for you, it's probably, you're probably talking more about private insurance, right? right? And right. so, <coughs> excuse me, you know, psychologists join networks, mm -hmm. and so the public insurance is a network, okay. and I'm talking about Optum is that network, but then there are other networks like Aetna, Blue Cross Blue Shield, Mm -hmm. that psychologists could be a part of that okay. to provide the same service. Um, and, you know, the pay for behavioral health is not on par with the pay for other providers of care in the health industry. And so oftentimes psychologists, I'll just speak you know, mm -hmm. psychologists, you know, we can't make ends meet. Right, right. You know, and so. Because I guess what you're really saying, too, is when any of us join these networks, you're, you're, you're joining, but you're agreeing to a very small reimbursement. Correct. And that's the challenge for right. everybody. Right. So I've, you know, I've been in the network over the course of my career mm -hmm. twice. Mm -hmm. You know, I've been in, resigned, and got back in, resigned. So I currently am not in the network. But... I, my fees are relatively low comparatively. Mm -hmm. So if you were to kind of just look at the other practices in downtown Silver Spring especially, I, I would say my fee structure is on the mm -hmm. low end so that I can at least uh, contribute to some more access mm -hmm. for folks that look like you and I. Mm -hmm. um, but I recognize that even at the rate that I'm being paid, Mm -hmm. out of pocket that there are some who look like you and I who can't afford that either, right? Do, do you so that's where the public health Do you find that most of your colleagues are accepting the assignment? Or are they joining these networks no, or more and more? more and more not. Really? More and more yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. yeah. It's great when you are entering the field mm -hmm. and you, you want to set up your practice Mm -hmm. and you don't know anybody and you need some patience. Right. Right. <laughs> so that, th it's absolutely great for that. Because um, you have overhead you've got to pay. That's you right. know, your right. staff, right. your, your, right. your lease, your right. whatever. Right. Your health, your, your malpractice insurance, you got bills. Wow. Bills, we have bills. Have you guys gone through any crises with your malpractice like other providers have? Not over with the malpractice, years? I haven't, no. Okay. Okay. I like my malpractice carrier. <laughs> nice. It's always good when you like your malpractice carrier. It's always <laughs> yes, good. I do, right. They actually they actually send me a little check every year. Yes, they do. They send me a check, uh, I guess, really? because it's they like you. They give, give money back to you. It's because not, you're you know, the president it's, of the Maryland nominal. Psychological Not at all. I'm not the only one, but yeah, it's a, it's a nominal amount. But you know, it's, it's funny. We get um, a check, too, but it's kind of credited toward our account. Oh. Only because, you know, it's a lot of money for malpractice, as yeah. you probably yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. Not so, as much as what you pay, I'm sure. Yeah. 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 So let's go ahead and get into that patient out there. I know we talked mm -hmm. earlier, what are some of the wellness things people can do to maintain their mental health wellness? Well, right. Um, sleep. Oh, yeah, that's a big one. Sleep, that's a big one. get adequate sleep. Um, <laughs> one, one way to think about sleep is that sleep deprivation mm -hmm. is a torture technique. Right. Okay. Right. So that should give you some indication of how important sleep is. What are you saying? Eight hours? Ten hours? Six to eight hours. Sleep okay, experts six, say... I don't feel so bad. Six ex <laughs> sleep experts say six to, <laughs> six to nine, six to eight hours is what mm -hmm. people should get. Sleep experts also suggest that an hour before sleep, you turn off oh, all yeah. of our backlit devices. Yeah, I like our that phones, one. I like that our one. iPads, our laptops, yep. and all mm -hmm. of that. So sleep is important mm -hmm. uh, to maintain uh, good mental health. Uh, exercise, physical activity is important. Mm -hmm. So even if you are immobile, you can maybe move your arms sitting mm -hmm. in a chair, use exercise bands, mm -hmm. you know, kind of get the blood moving, right? I, as a psychologist, happen to think that, and I work with people who don't have the same belief structure or system that I do, but mm -hmm. I happen to believe that good mental health means connecting with some spiritual entity, mm -hmm. some experience where you know that there's something greater than you in the universe that mm -hmm. you can call on to help you. People of color 
-hmm. have traditionally always had relationships with some kind of spiritual entity. Mm -hmm. That said, more and more students, including students of color, are showing up to college as either atheists or agnostic. Mm -hmm. um, there's a book written, wow. Gen I, the Gen I, that kind mm -hmm. of documents that, that uh, finding. Wow. So um, spiritual connections, sleep, physical activity, and whatever kind of self-care that you engage in, mm -hmm. you know, you got to find that sweet spot, whatever mm -hmm. it is. You know, like I mentioned, for me, it's, it's travel is changing my visual uh, experience. But for me, it's music, mm -hmm. right? Um, it's, it's, you know... Um, Engaging, <coughs> excuse me, with um, my dog. Play. Woof, woof, woof. Yeah, yep. I mean that's yeah. self care for me. Um, I used to love my dog. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, also, uh, kind of being true to yourself is, okay. is important mm -hmm. for your mental wellness. What do you mean right? when you say that? I mean that's a loaded statement. That is a loaded statement. <laughs> so, you know, we particularly as black people. Depending mm -hmm. on where we are, we oftentimes can't be our true selves. We can't right. let our hair down all right. the time, right? We gotta, gotta behave show up a certain, certain way. Right. We gotta present time. and speak a certain way and make sure that we use the king's English mm -hmm. and all that. You gotta find some time to like right. let it all hang right. out. That's let true. it just be you, right? If it mm -hmm. if you're involved in a relationship and you can't be who you are in that relationship, then you're not being true to yourself. Right. So it's time for you to make some shifts, mm -hmm. right? That helps your mental right. wellness. That's important. That's right? important. If you're in a work environment right. where you feel that you're not being <clears throat> your your skill set mm -hmm. and your strengths are not being appreciated and and you're mm -hmm. not able to manifest the way you want, then you're not being right. who you are. You're not being true to yourself. And, you know, so you have to make some shifts. You have to pay attention. I do want to say one thing and then come back real quick. Mm -hmm. What about nutrition? Well, thank you for saying that. So okay. nutrition is important, obviously, right? So what you put in, <laughs> what right. you put in contributes to what comes out, right? Right. So water, we're drinking, we're both mm -hmm. drinking water here, keeping yourself hydrated. Um, of course, you as a doctor can speak to this, you know, better, mm -hmm. but, you know, you want to limit <coughs> processed foods and sugars and mm -hmm. make sure, you know, I think you're safe if you, if you eat things from the ground. Right. right. If, if versus processed. Versus processed food. Processed right? is just so terrible. And it's salty. You know? It's so salty. Salt, the sugar, oh and yes. all the metabolic devastating consequences. But as I was listening to you, mm -hmm. it struck me. Mm. Where does self-esteem play into all of what we're talking about? Okay, so tr being true to self-esteem. Self so self-esteem has to do with liking yourself. Mm -hmm. Right. Do you like yourself? And so um, sometimes people are walking around and they don't know that they don't like themselves. Mm -hmm. And they're engaging in behaviors that suggest that they don't. Mm -hmm. But if you have a healthy relationship with yourself, right, um, you can step out of that toxic relationship mm -hmm. because you like yourself more. <laughs> Right. 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 So it's just about liking yourself and it does contribute to mental wellness. And mm -hmm. you know, there are a lot of reasons why people end up with low self-esteem. There are messages in our media that say that if you are, you know, too dark, you don't, you know, you don't fit here. Right. You don't, you know, if you're too if you're too fat, you wow. know, you got body image issues, right? Mm -hmm. That can be a reason why you don't like yourself. And so having positive feelings about your body, right. having positive feelings about your skin color, mm -hmm. um, whatever texture your hair is, accepting yourself, mm -hmm. self-acceptance, that's so important. So many things we got to worry about and manage, mm -hmm. very important. Yeah. You got to multitask. <laughs> now, what about medications, real quick? Mm -hmm. um, you, I know a lot of what we're talking about treatment-wise, mm -hmm. from a psychology standpoint, doesn't include a pill. Not time? in the state of Maryland. So okay. right now, psychologists do not um, have a license to prescribe in the state of Maryland. There are mm -hmm. other states in the United States where psychologists can prescribe. Right. My approach is um, um, 
it, it depends on what the symptom presentation is, mm -hmm. right? So if someone comes in my office and they're psychotic, mm -hmm. then obviously there's a referral that's necessary to a psychiatrist yeah. right away. But let's say someone comes to the office and they are experiencing some depressive symptoms. Mm -hmm. If the depression doesn't include, let's say, suicidal ideation, um, significant appetite changes, significant sleep disturbance, mm -hmm. I may ask the client to engage in six weeks of talk therapy first to see if they mm -hmm. experience any symptom relief mm -hmm. because the research shows that the, that the um, treatment for depression is uh, therapy and medication if needed, okay. never just medication. Okay. So I never, I, 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 I discourage clients from just taking a pill right. and not taking a pill and learning some management strategies to go along with that pill. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, because it's interesting too. I know we're, we're winding down, mm -hmm. but this is a question I got to throw out there mm -hmm. because I think these studies have been done in the VA system mm -hmm. whereby a lot of women have had psychological trauma mm -hmm. and how that later leads to um, mental health issues. Absolutely. Do you agree with that? Yes, I do. Okay, right. okay. Right. And, and, and it's not but like... A lot of, but a lot of men, too. Exactly. That's not... Right. The, so we're not talking right. about that. There are a couple of things we're not talking about. We're not talking about the trauma that men experience, mm -hmm. right, and how that impacts them. Mm-hmm. We're not talking enough about the trauma that is experienced in our urban com communities where the homicide rate is comparable to war-torn No one talks about that. We're not talking no about that. About and so you can't live mm -hmm. in a violent uh, environment and not have it impact you. It's called PTSD. It's called PTSD. Uh, yeah, you're right. No one talks about that. Yeah. And, that, and that's why I think we need now. more of the HBCUs to do that research because yes. the PWI institutions aren't going to do that research right. and they might be met the same way you were met at UVA right. back then. Right. So. Wahoo, I love my, I love my schools though. I love them both. I got oh, something yeah. out of oh, both yeah. of them. Oh yeah, they both serve that, their purpose. Yes, I got something. You know, because I don't live, in, I'm not, I don't live in a uh, isolated environment. Mm -hmm. I am very much a part of this culture, right. but I, I like to say that I am African root, but American food. But I'm glad we brought that point up because I forgot about that that environment we many of us grow up in. Mm -hmm. And if we didn't grow up in that environment, we at least know people who have, and we interact with them as well. Right. And there are going to be consequences for us as the smaller community and the larger community too. Right. So hopefully we can find some ways to, right. to deal with that issue. Right. Positive self-esteem and positive self-concept for black folk mm -hmm. is so important mm -hmm. to allow us to navigate very toxic systems that oh, yeah. we have to. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and a lot of these systems have been here for 400 years. They've Absolutely. been here since we got here. That's right. And we are wrapping up. We are. And we are happy to have there's my website. See that? There you go. <laughs> Dr. Campbell in the house. Let's give it up for Dr. Campbell Thank for being you. in the house with us today. <laughs> All right. Um, and as we wrap it up, I'm going to give her a chance to give out her contact information again. Oh, okay. So I don't know if they can see that. Can our viewers see that? Oh, they do. Oh, they do? All right. So uh, Campbell Psychological Services, 8607 2nd Avenue in Silver Spring, and it's www.campsychserve.com. Very nice. So I want to thank you all for joining us today in the house, Doctors in the House. And so far this year, we're off to a great start talking about health, wellness. We talked about the diet, the sugar in the diet, the salt in the diet. And we were very fortunate to have Dr. Campbell in the house today talking about psychological issues. And we look forward to seeing you next time in the house with Doctors in the House.